Palacios to the byline. Palacios clipping it up. Allá va el centro. Here on ESPN Plus, alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. We are full of energy, but still very much Herc recovering after an incredible MLS Cup in your neck of the woods on Saturday. You were there. I can only imagine the scenes at Bank of California. You're so lucky to have lived it live. You know I didn't live it live. I oh, was you were there? I was calling the game here in L.A., but not there. Ah! Don't be that guy. I honestly, I thought you were at the stadium. Okay, well, you were Unbelievable. You were in a production closet uh, somewhere. Anyway, I guess, I guess it couldn't get you a parking pass after all the talking we did. I don't want to talk uh, about, about the it. parking last week. Um, <laughs> all right, as you can see, uh, if you don't want to watch us, you can listen to us on the Football Americas podcast. Plenty coming up on today's edition of the show. We got some big goals in Europe from Gio Reyna, Eric Gutierrez, just to name a, a few as the CONCACAF abroad contingent continues to heat up ahead of the World Cup, which is now, what, just uh, 13 days 13 away? Days. Speaking of, we've got an injury update, a bit of good news, hopefully, for Canadian men's national team fans. Alfonso Davies, maybe not the uh, five-alarm fire that we thought it was, that injury with Bayern Munich. Uh, and then how about this, Herc? We've got a little Liga Mekis representation on Brazil's World Cup roster, plus uh, a lot of pressure on the U.S. women's national team. They got a couple big games coming up against Germany. But let's start with the story of the weekend, the game of the weekend, Herc. MLS Cup at Bank of California Stadium. LAFC, your supporter shield winners, hosting the best team in the East, the Philadelphia Union. 28 minutes in, Kellen Acosta, the set piece, the deflection, it's 1-0 LAFC. Yeah, Jack McGlynn, 19 years of age, he's going to learn from this. You can't turn your back off his face. Redirects and in the goal. Thought it was going to be Vela. Instead, Acosta, 1-0 to the home side. 1-0 at the half, 1-1 in the second. Daniel Gazda gets your prop bet, Herc. It was my prop bet, look at that. Martinez with the shot, El Brujo, he saw it coming. And then Gazda doing what he does. The 1-1 on the hour mark, still 1-1 late. LASC corner, Murillo, the smashing header, 2-1. I mean, where have I seen this? It's LAFC with the set piece. It's Carlos Vela on that left foot. Murillo smashes it in. And it's 2-1. We're going home, right? Yeah, we are going home. Oh, wait a second. Couple minutes later, Philly responds. Oh, yeah, you, you picked this, right? Jack Elliott to score. 2-2. Two -two. <laughs> Jack Elliott. Jack Elliott all alone. That guy's like seven foot tall. Might want to mark him. How different is it from the one that you faced in May with all the additions that they've had now? Well, one of them barely plays. Um. 
There's Ale Medoya talking about Gareth Bale. As he subbed into the game, you remember, for Carlos Vela late. 2-2 in extra time, huge moment. Corey Burke getting in behind. Maxime Cropo races out, just an awful collision. Cropo yeah. seriously injured and eventually sent off as LAFC go down to 10 men. No doubt about that. John McCarthy, former union man, subs on. And in stoppage time of extra time, Billy, go ahead, it's Jack Elliott again, hurt! Scenes, 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 Crippo and Burke out injured. Big John McCarthy with a huge paw, but redirects it to Elliott. Elliott with his second of the night. We're going home. LAFC down a goal and a man, but they got Gareth Bale on their side. What were you saying, Ali Bedoya? That's a low blow. Come on. I mean, he hadn't been playing, but this is ridiculous. Are you serious? This is insane. That was like the only time they attacked. They were sitting 10 men, tried to take it to penalties, and that they did. 3-3, going to penalties. First kick, LAFC's Christian Teo. What was that? Andre Blake the save. Did it, did it, Blake ate him up. It was too slow, too, too little. Daniel Gazdag steps up for Philly's first shot. Herky slipped. Oh, yeah, what are you gonna do? He slipped. After an LAFC conversion, Jose Martinez steps up. Nope, McCarthy with the save. Don't stutter. Don't stutter, just hit it. After another LAFC make, another Philly miss. This time Kai Wagner, McCarthy denied again. Uh, you can't write this. Ely Sanchez for the win. Yes, LAFC. Three nothing in the penalty shootout as they win. Here's more reaction from Bank of California Stadium. What it means to me, I, I'm not sure yet. I think I need a few days to process. Um, for me, the goal is always to maximize the potential of this group. And anything short of a supporter shield or MLS Cup for this particular group with this mentality um, wouldn't have been enough. And so I think a job I can say for myself and the rest of the coaching staff, um, a job well done. We've, we've, done our, we've done our job. We've done what we were here to do by maximizing the potential of this group. And um, it was a lot of hard work, uh, but that makes me proud. Um, not the title per se, but to un out of a group of individuals to make a team and to create a mentality to come back and throw everything that went through today, um, the emotional roller coaster that they found a way to come together and win. Um, that's probably what I'm most proud of. Well, to be quick and simple, for 10 minutes or 15 was like a Halloween movie <laughs> and then we finished with a Hollywood movie like dreaming things like something like you can't imagine can happen and happens so in my head was something like that I was like changing one movie to other you've scored some sweet goals in some major finals where does this rack up in terms of the sweet spot no, it's nice. It's um, it's always nice to score in finals, and I, I seem to have the knack of doing that. So um, no, it's it's big. It's important for the club. It's important for the fans. Um, yeah, and like I said, it, we were down to ten men. Um, I guess not really looking like we were going to get anything out of the game. So um, 
credit to everybody and to, to keep pushing and keep fighting and um, yeah, like I said, it was nice to get the goal and, and to help the team um, and where it ranks, I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah, it's a great feeling. Steve said he doesn't want you to do the same when you play the US <laughs> in the World Cup. I'm sure he doesn't, but I'll be trying to. <laughs>
were under different circumstances in the Open Cup against probably not better competition like mm -hmm. they had today. But there were times in this game where they clearly outplayed LAFC. But I've never seen an LAFC team as resilient, uh, as much fight or spirit that never gave up, regardless of the circumstances. I mean, to see a teammate go down with a broken leg, that'll do some players in. That'll have them pack it and make them go home. That'll, have them, that'll give them an excuse to fold. That wasn't the case. I can't be mad at this Philly team. 20, yeah. 27th out of 28th in spending, and they got that type of production from those players, uh, that type of play in, in a final. I mean, you scored three goals in a final playing away from home. You think you're going with, yeah. with, with a trophy in your hands. You're getting on that plane to Philly, and you're saying, we have it. Here it is for you, only to be ha had it snatched up at the death by one of the best players I've ever seen when it comes to finals. So uh, Philly 27th, as you mentioned, in spending in MLS. Compare that to LAFC. They're sixth uh, in spending this season. Still, though, I think it'll be a long time till Philly forgets this. You're up a goal and a man with seven minutes into extra time uh, and still couldn't get that MLS Cup back to the city of brotherly love. What about the goal from Gareth Bale? The game-tying strike coming in the 128th minute to make it 3-3 and eventually uh, get us on to penalty kicks. It was his first appearance, Herc, since October 2nd when he came on as a sub against Portland in the penultimate game of the regular season. He had zero minutes across LAFC's last three games, two in the playoffs, one in the regular season. He entered this game in the 97th minute, replacing Carlos Vela. A lot of people didn't like that sub. Uh, got about 25 minutes total beyond the goal. Uh, in this game, Herc, was Gareth Bale's goal and a performance. Something, nothing, or everything for U.S. fans and maybe the uh, U.S. men's national team technical staff looking ahead to that November 21st showdown against Wales at the World Cup. It, it was everything. Everything. Um, yeah, and also that Portland game you mentioned, he came on in stoppage time, final like five minutes of that game if you want to count it. So this is a Gareth Bell that's very much akin to the Gareth Bell we saw with Real Madrid. The Gareth Bell that wouldn't play for months at a time and all of a sudden pop up an important game and be the Gareth Bell of the <laughs> finals. And that should terrify you if you're a U.S. men's national team fan. He has a penchant for the big stage, for the dramatic. Uh, you know that saying... Uh, that was uh, Wales, Golf, Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's Wales, Golf, LAFC. Now, he's going to go to where he performs the best, which is with Wales, where he puts on that cape. It's the first time they're going to be in a World Cup after how many decades? Uh, probably the biggest uh, sporting uh, idol that they have of date in their generation, in the biggest sporting spectacle that their country's been in, and they're going to play against the U.S. men's national team in the very important first game. Uh, Gareth Bell, that's proven that he can still do this. It should terrify you. Okay. All right, so you're saying it's everything. Do you believe that he's going to be like 90 minutes fit for the World Cup, specifically for that game? Because that's really what you're worried about, right? Did he if need he to can... be 90 minutes fit for this game? No, but I, I'd much rather, if you're a U.S. fan, have him coming off the bench than starting. And, that, and that's the reality. The most minutes that he's played for LAFC this, this entire time, 62 minutes. I mean, he's not a starting player for LAFC. That's why, for me, this can't be everything, Herc. I mean, it's, it's 20 minutes. In the post-game press conference where he's very candid, he admits he's, he's not 100%. Like, I don't, I don't think we can necessarily say just because of one goal, we can expect this guy to start um, against the United States. I think that's still pretty much a long shot, don't you? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm saying he needs to start. I'm saying he can hurt you. And, and you look at the way that Wells plays – 
the two worst teams in Europe are probably Wells and Poland, and Wells plays pretty much akin to how, at, or excuse me, LAFC played those final 15, 20 minutes where they're sitting in, they're doing transition, they're trying. He to hasn't trained. He said he, he said after the game he hasn't trained in like three or four weeks. You, Harvey, have you not watched? Imp- have you not watched? What impact is that going to have over the years? I know, Herc, but you're the one that on this show has talked about how injured guys in in World Cups you can't count on them, right? So I, I get, <laughs> who do they I have get, that's going to be better than Gareth no, 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 Bell? Uh, so they course, have to count on Gareth this, Bell. Like, if right, Gareth Bell comes much, in any facet versus the U.S. men's national team, you have to be worried. It's not going to be a guy that you're going to say, oh, well, he's only played so many minutes, so don't worry so much about him. You have to be worried about Gareth Bell wearing a Welsh, a Welsh national team jersey. It's just the case for the U.S. men's national team who have their own injury problems right now. All right, so uh, Gareth Bale then with the goal that sent MLS Cup into penalties in what was an incredible affair on Saturday afternoon. Not the first big goal of Gareth Bale's career, Herc, and certainly not the first big goal that he scored in a final. So you wanted to run through his top five goals in finals, and I'm very curious to see uh, if the goal from Saturday is going to end up on this list. Well, it will, but let's go with number five, okay? Uh, Top five, can we go number five, producer? It's going to be, was it 2018, uh, UCL? And this is the second goal. This is a this is right after Sergio Ramos, Sergio Ramos takes out uh, Mohamed Salah. It's curious what that fumbles it. There is some movement, but this is a very savable ball. Ends up going in. Gareth Bell's second, so that's gonna be number five, okay? We're gonna go to number four now. Well, number four, uh, yes. While everybody was waiting to call it a sporting fracaso, because that's what mm-hmm. Sebi Salazar was gonna call it a sporting fracaso for LAFC with the out. What, 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 what they were, what they did to bring in, they, they disrupted the chemistry uh, for LAFC. And what does Gareth Bell do? In the only chance this man had, mm-hmm. throws up a prayer. Look at this. In between two guys, dunks on him. Dunks on the defender of the year. Glassness on the ground, on the goalkeeper of the year. A thundering header. Look at the fans. We're going to penalty kicks. He saves the day for LAFC, a player who hadn't played anything in the last, what, month? No playoff minutes, into MLS Cup, and he becomes the hero. That's a pretty good goal. But uh, number three would have to be a very important goal. Mm-hmm. It's the more important than a goal in an MLS Cup. Come on. Yeah, okay. it's a Champions League final against Atletico mm-hmm. Madrid, and he ends up scoring the second goal off a header. Uh, it goes in. It ends up being a route. They end up winning 4-1, but it ends up being the start of something very special for Real Madrid, and it's something that's very near and dear to the Madridistas' heart. Uh, it, it's this run of Champions League finals in this decade, and Gareth Bale. Uh, opening or orchestrating a big part of that, so they, they will remember that. The uh, game I, winner. It was the game wow. winner in the 110th second, minute the of second, extra time. Second goal of four. Let's it settle down. It's still. This is a game winner. It's still a Champions League goal. Gareth Bell. He'll do that. The game him. winner. All right. Now the second one. The second one. That producer. Right. Did you end up changing it? Because he and I had a heated argument. Never got within a country mile of the Champions League. Is turning his two. nose up at okay, a Champions League game winner. It's the Copa del Rey. Final. The number the two. Goal. Yes. The goal. This the is number goal. two? This is the goal, yes. This is iconic. Bartra, look at this. He literally runs outside, out of bounds, over Bartra. Pinto comes out, slots it in. There was five minutes to be played left. The ball was in the opposite end of the field and two touches to Gareth Bell. And it's Meek, Meek, I'll see you later to the cleaners. One of the most iconic goals in world football. And producer had it at number two, and I'm okay with that. Okay, I that was a game winner as well. I'm okay with that because number one was so insane. 
I've never seen anything like this. And it was pretty much like number four. A Gareth Bell who hadn't played much. A Gareth Bell who comes on as a sub. And within, within minutes, excuse me, of coming on as a sub against Liverpool, it's Marcelo with the cross and it's Gareth Bell with an overhead kick, a bicycle, a chilena, oh, however are you, doing you want it? to call right. it. Take, take, take the full shot of Herc. I want to see him replicate this. The most ridiculous <laughs> finish you will probably ever see in a Champions League final. His first of the evening. The mm -hmm. same Gareth Bell that only liked the golf. The same Gareth Bell that was injury prone. The same Gareth Bell that couldn't get on the field. Another final, another goal, another iconic moment in world football. Curious couldn't do anything about this one. It was a golazo. Scream it, Gareth Bell. Doblete. Number one on my list. Another game winner and also another man of the match performance yeah, there from Gareth Bale in the 2018 Champions League final against Liverpool. All right, so a pretty good top five list there. Good to see the uh, MLS Cup banger from the weekend coming in at number, number four. four. Now, Herc, yeah. let's focus our attention on the man that Gareth Bale replaced in extra time, Carlos Vela, who picks up his first mm -hmm. trophy at club level at the age of 33. What does that trophy mean for Carlos Vela's legacy? All right, so there's two parts of this legacy. There is his legacy to North American fans within Major League Soccer. Thank you. Uh, that will go down as one of the greatest players to play in Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. Five years, two supporters shield, uh, CONCACAF Champions League uh, final appearance. A 2019 season that was historic where he was MVP. 34 goals, 15 assists. That mark will be very, very difficult to surpass. It will take somebody very special to break that. And now he gets to lift a trophy. It's one of the all-time greatest players that's played in Major League Soccer. But what does it mean to his legacy if you're a Mexico fan? Mm. If you're Sebi Salazar, <laughs> it is unfulfilled potential. Yes. You're yeah. getting to see the best player of his generation and one of the best players, at least talent-wise, in Mexican football history. Let it go to waste in the eyes of these guys, like this guy over here, mm -hmm. in Major League Soccer and not in La Liga where he was competing amongst the world's best. Yes. The Messis, the Griezmanns in that era, uh, which he was better than in Real Sociedad. The Cristiano Ronaldos, that type of player. He spent the majority of his prime and latter years in Major League Soccer. And to those people, to those people, it's wasted potential. Yes. On the international stage, Vela's legacy will always be he never turned into the player that people like you, who talked about his talent, told us that he would become, right? That's his international legacy. If you're a Mexico fan, you if, you're somebody, he is. If, you, if you're somebody who watched him in Europe, that, that's, that's the real legacy of Carlos Vela. If we shrink it down to Major League Soccer, I think this is a really important title, right? Because it validates this project, this designated player project, in a way where I think, honestly, Herc, now you can put Carlos Vela in the discussion in terms of on-field productivity as maybe the best designated player in MLS history. I'm thinking up there with guys like Keen, Giovinco, those guys who came Ooh. and maybe, maybe, were, not, maybe were not marketing signings, Ooh. but were dominant Ooh. on the field. He's, he's at that level for me, and honestly, um, he will get more than those guys did because Giovinco and, and Keen lasted about four and a half seasons. If Vela plays another one or two, his numbers are going to way outlast those guys. Now, Keen won three titles. Bella's got one. Hold on. But he's in that conversation. Keen won three titles. Mm -hmm. three, uh, three MLS Cup titles. Uh, yes. Say, yeah. Yes. And, and considered as one of the best DPs of all time in Major League Soccer. And Sebastian Jovinko, 
what he did, he was a cheat code. He was a video game. Not only mm -hmm. did he win titles, but he played in different. He played in different finals. He he also is a player that led the best MLS regular season team that I have ever seen. So those two players right now, right now, are still clear of Carlos Vela. But you mentioned it. Carlos Vela has two more years, I believe, was confirmed on his contract. So who knows how inflated those numbers can get, and who knows how many more championships possibly uh, Carlos Vela may get to lift. All right, legacy is a pretty big-picture conversation. Speaking of big-picture, Herc, people were saying this was the best MLS Cup ever, ever, ever over the weekend. But before we have that conversation, let's listen into Carlos Vela. Here's what he had to say about the difference between this year's LAFC and last year's LAFC, and I think it has something to do with the coach. Well, I mean, everything in life needs change sometimes. When something is not getting where you want, you have to move things. You have to try something different. And that's what the club did. And in my case, I was not thinking about Bob Bradley. Or my, I was thinking of myself because I finished my contract. I was thinking about if I stay here or no. And in the end, we talk about the future and we say, like, come on, we need a trophy before I can leave the club or I can retire. Give me the chance. It's not about money. It's not about what I can do here. It's about I come here with a reason. I come here with a target. And before I get it, it was like, give me more time. I know it was long these five years, but in the end, we, we did it. And we look forward. We, we want more. We feel how good it is to be champion. So we want to work for get more. Herc, what do you make of Ella's comments? Every time I've spoken to Carlos Fella, he keeps talking about how he doesn't care about the individual statistics. I interviewed mm -hmm. him here in February, and he mentioned how all that means very little to him. Uh, he wants to win a trophy. How the two, last two seasons have been so frustrating for him, having to watch his teammates play without him, how the trophy's the most important thing for him. He did it. When you're on a man on a mission, when you're focused on what you want, you do what you can to get there. He was instrumental in the regular season, 12 goals, 12 assists. In the playoffs, he had a hand in pretty much every goal that LAFC scored. It, it doesn't go unnoticed. Kind of like that star that they already put on that jersey, if you saw it. Uh, yes. Chris Klein and the LA Galaxy. It is Monday after MLS Cup, and you are on the clock. Uh, Herc, is it worth noting the, uh, the change at the top for LAFC? Uh, not only that LAFC wins the title in their first year where Bob Bradley's not around, but they win it under a first-year head coach and Steve Tarandolo, like those two things I would not have bet on at the beginning of the season. No, probably not because it's a new head coach, a first-year head coach replacing an American coaching legend. But you mentioned this. Uh, we've spoken about this. John Thorrington should get plenty of credit mm. for this. Mm -hmm. John Thorrington, who may have tinkered a little bit too much for people's liking, but he put the pieces in the puzzle or to the puzzle together uh, the right way to set him up for not only what he thought would be MLS Cup, but now aiming to what is the CONCACAF Champions League. So there is an orchestrator out of this, and it's John Thorrington, and that's a, that's a big reason to that success right there. Bob Bradley, no Bob Bradley, as Carlos Vela said, sometimes you need to change things. It's time for people to move on or time for, for new projects to start. Uh, it's not always the worst of things. All right, Herc, if LAFC do go on to win the CONCACAF Champions League, they'll surely be in the conversation for best MLS teams ever. What about best MLS Cup ever? Did we see that this weekend at Bank of California Stadium?
Yeah, I'm not as old as you, so I vaguely remember 1996. But that would be the closest MLS Cup I could think of when it comes to fanfare, attention, dramatics, mm-hmm. like the roller coasters, the ro- emotional roller coaster that is, uh, everything. And even the 1996 final, which was the LA Galaxy playing mm-hmm. against DC United, I don't think came close to this. And, and that final, 1.6 million people watched. Mm. I mean, look at the weather. Look where they're playing. They're playing in a swamp, Sebi. And it's that's a Gal- big number, huh? That's a big number for early days MLS. Oh, that's a big number today. Yeah. 1.6, that's, that's an insane number. Look at the weather. If the Galaxy go up, the emotional roller coaster. It really was like one of the all-time greatest games. And you couldn't have asked for a better game being the first season, the inaugural season. Great game. But would you- Almost didn't play it, by the way, because yep. of the weather. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and gold and gold. Like, how much more dramatic can it get, right? Exactly. Eddie Pope, Eddie Pope in the mud, yes. There you go. Little Sebi oh, going crazy. Little Sebi flashbacks. But, but Seb, when you talk about all-time greatest games, mm-hmm. you want to see the very two best teams today yeah. in your league playing. You got them. LAFC versus the Philadelphia Union. You want to see... The best players in the league. Well, LA, LA, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Union almost swept the regular season awards. You want to see the stars come out. Carlos Vela, even though you don't think he's a star, he's a massive star in North America. Gareth Bale, Chiellini, even if Chiellini didn't play, like they were out. It was a great game too. You had goals. You had drama. You you even had. You even had unsung heroes or heroes that weren't even supposed to be the heroes come up like Big John McCarthy, who used to play with the Philadelphia Union. You had storylines. It was Hollywood-esque. It really was the best MLS Cup final I've ever seen. Yeah, I'd give the 96 game a shout-out. It was awesome. The, the golden goal in the elements, all that stuff is kind of iconic visuals for the league. But this just took it up another notch. Uh, the drama here was so great. And for me, like a lot of people are going to remember this game for the Gareth Bale late goal. And that is that is a big moment. And it's one of the moments that contributes to this being the greatest MLS Cup final ever. But for me, Herc, the moment of the match um, and the moment that really makes this a great game, because it wasn't a great game, right? Like all the goals are it set wasn't. pieces. Uh, uh, you know, finals are not meant to be, uh, you know, played. You're supposed to win them or lose them, right? And, and this one was very much won or lost. This was not played well. Um, but bottom line, man, when Maxime Crepeau comes off the line, and you know he knew in that moment, he might not have known what was coming in terms of the injury. He was sacrificing himself. There was no way he was going to get there ahead of Corey Burke legally. He knew what he was doing, and he sacrificed not only himself in an MLS Cup final, he sacrificed his World Cup, right? He's Canada's number two. To see that happen in that moment and see a player do um, kind of a different version of what Luis Suarez did, if you remember, in the 2010 World Cup, Handball. against Ghana, yeah. right? Much more uh, selfless, I would say, this this version. And then to see the other half of the story complete itself. McCarthy comes on against his former team. Uh, I mean, we've said it a million, million times. You, you cannot write this. Uh, if a Hollywood writer put it down on paper, you'd say, nah, it's, it's too much. If I could give a shout to one other game, because maybe this is also the greatest game in MLS history. It's the Eastern Conference Finals from 2004, DC United, New England Revolution. That was another 3-3 it went to penalties. No, no, and that no, was an no. amazing game. We're not talking game. conference finals. We're not, I'm just saying. Stop, stop. I'm just saying. Best MLS game ever. No, best well, MLS Montreal, game ever. Toronto. That's the best series. Stop. 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 No, no, We're I not talking series. conference finals. I didn't say series. I said game. We're not talking conference finals. What's wrong with you trying All to right, get is this DC the be- in Is this here? the best game in MLS history for you then? No. 
No, just the best MLS Cup in ML in yeah. MLS history. Yeah. Okay. I was I, right. I was part of the best game in MLS history, just on the losing end. Oh, okay. What was that? Uh, San Jose, LA, little uh, Western Conference playoffs back in the day. Yeah, five. It was ended up being five four uh, goal. Yeah, yes. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, uh, YouTube that one. YouTube the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals, and then tell me which one you Stop. thought was better. Here's a look at the 2023 MLS Cup odds. All right, we're getting out ahead of it early. Uh, LAFC, your way early favorites at plus 500. Philly second, New York City third, uh, and Austin FC are fourth. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, to Europe. Fresh off the uh, disappointment of MLS Cup defeat, Paxton Aronson is set to move on from Philadelphia. Sources confirming to ESPN that Aronson will head to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga for a reported fee of $4 million plus add-ons. He's 19 years old and, of course, the brother of Brendan Aronson, who plays at Leeds, also an ex-Philadelphia Union man. Aronson played 30 minutes on Saturday. That includes extra time. But, Herc, before that, he'd made only two starts all season. Is he ready to leave Philly and find success in the Bundesliga? I am never going to argue for a player staying in Major League Soccer if he can go to Europe, especially okay. at an early age. Go. Even if it's a Pepe situation. I don't Even care. with the hindsight of Pepe. Go. I don't care. Go. Go. Because yeah. it's development. You, you got better chances of developing over there, especially in a setup like Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, he's 19 years old. He was voted the best player in the U-20s here in CONCACAF. He's got a very bright future ahead of him, but unless he gets himself out of a comfort zone of living at home, of being with his friends and family, of playing in an academy setup and then going to the first team and being somewhere where you're very comfortable in, and then having to literally fight for yourself, literally having to go to training sessions with the knife in between the teeth, and then fight for everything you do to earn it. That's the way you get better. The way his brother did. His brother didn't necessarily dominate Major League Soccer either when he was playing. And we've heard uh, from Brendan Aronson, his own brother, Paxton has a higher ceiling 
I would love for him to go and test himself. I don't advocate for players to stay here. It, there's levels for everyone. Mm -hmm. But if you're good enough to be scouted, if you're good enough for them to want you and pay $4 million for you, that tells me that he's good enough to be there and fight for his spot and hopefully make the most of it. I'm reminded, Herc, of the Greg Berhalter comments, right, when he talked about guys leaving MLS before they were ready. And kind of the point that he made was, you got to be dominating at whatever level you're at before you look to make the move. I don't think we can look at these stats and in any way say that Paxton Aronson was dominating. There are some red flags here for me. The biggest, Herc, is level. Because you mentioned Brendan Aronson. He made an intermediate, intermediary like jump, right? He didn't go straight from MLS to Bundesliga or MLS to Premier League. He goes to Austria. If this was an Austrian team, if this was a Dutch team, I'd feel a lot better. This is not just a team Herc in a top five league. This is a top five team in a top five league that pay, plays for major trophies. It's going to be tough for Aronson to get yeah. playing time, right? Isn't, wasn't there a, like a, a, maybe a, a better spot for him to land? Isn't this a little bit too big, too soon, too much, too soon? What if it's the only spot for him to land? What well, if it's the I mean, only... You just mentioned all that he did at the youth national team level, all the success he in had with Conca the U20s. Calf. If in there Conca was interest for my track Frankfurt... If there's interest undervalue uh, Paxton Aronson. If, I, if, but if there's interest from Frankfurt, surely, Herc, there's interest from other, other places. We don't know. But you can't just say you need to dominate. Uh, dominance over development is ridiculous. Fine. Dom, if, you say, if you say dominate is too much, but, I mean, look at these numbers. 415 minutes this season, one goal, what zero assists. What were the numbers two like last starts. season when he was two banging them in? Uh, three goals in 591 minutes, so the productivity is actually going down. Doesn't that worry you? He was at a U20 tournament. There was, there was times where he wasn't even with the Union, and the Union were flying high. The Union had three players in the front line that hit double-digit goals, and you want a 19-year-old kid to displace one of them? I mean, it, it is what it is for a very good academy system, for, for a very good developmental system. But I'm sure he had a support system. I mean, he had Jim, Jim Curtin in his ear saying, mm -hmm. you're ready, you're not ready. I'm sure he had his family around him. I'm sure he had... Whoever the case may be. But the argument of staying in Major League Soccer and you will be a better footballer for it, I don't buy it. Over Europe, I don't buy it. $4 million fee. That's the uh, reported transfer fee for Paxton Aronson to Eintracht Frankfurt plus add-ons. Let's run it back. U.S. Men's National Team Abroad Edition. Start with 21-year-old Taylor Booth with his first goal in the air to Vizzy. And it came for Utrecht in a 2-1 win over Ricardo Pepe's Groningen. Uh, it's a sick little goal. Give and go. Driving at the heart of the defense. Gets his first goal. 21-year-old Rousseau Lake Academy product, by the way. Uh, my man's in line for some Olympic minutes. Ex-Bayern Munich man as well. The uh, youth national team are still looking for his first cap with the senior team. As mentioned, Ricardo Pepe involved in that game as well. He got his second Eredivisie assist, helping Florian Kruger to this goal. Why do you say it like that? Why do you say assist like that? Um, honestly, I didn't mean anything by the way I said assist. I, I think he meant to do this. Beautiful nah. back post ball. Nah, I think he meant to be dangerous, and that's all you want. Uh, Groningen, uh, not very dangerous right now, 14th in the table. Haji Wright, very dangerous. Another goal, now a goal in back-to-back -back games for Antalya Spor. This guy scores at speed with his head, with his foot, in transition, hold-up play. I am so bummed for this kid. Uh, he's not even in the combo right now, and it's insane to me. Part of a 4-2 comeback win for Antalya Spor. Nine goals on the season for Haji Wright. Gio Reyna. With a goal from the penalty spot, his second of the season as Dortmund beat Bochum 
uh, two nothing. He started and played 67 minutes. Hurt. Yeah. I'm not a fan of his penalty kicks. He did the same thing as Costa Rica in a friendly in Utah, I believe. They're very slow run-ups. He looks at the goalkeeper, but they're effective. Do the C, pero no. If you're on WhatsApp, you know what's going on. Uh, Rain and Dortmund up to third in the Bundesliga. Good news, bad news weekend for U.S. fans. Here's your injury watch update. Sam Vines has a broken tibia. The player announced it on his Instagram. He's out three to four months. No World Cup, Herc. Dagger for the left back. Yeah, especially because Anthony Robinson's coming back from injury and he's still a little iffy in a lot of people's minds if he was able to be the Iron Man he was. So you thought Sam Bynes might have a shout there. This is this is terrible. Also no, Chris Richards reportedly still not back to full training with Crystal Palace. He is recovering from a hamstring injury, one that has limited Richards to 134 minutes since his summer move to the Premier League. Those are the headlines from the weekend, Herc, which is the biggest headline for U.S. fans. Yeah, it has to be Chris Richards <laughs> not back to full training. It's a muscular injury, soft tissue injury. He's not even training yet. You're 13 days away from the start of the World Cup. Let's say he starts training tomorrow. Mm. In 12 days, are you going to be fit enough to play the biggest game of your life in the biggest sporting event of your life? This all but pretty much indicates that if he is there, it's for the latter part mm. of the World Cup. And mm. I don't know if Greg Berhalter wants to bank on a player only knowing he may be available for the latter part of the World Cup. And wh why is this also a big news story? Because this opens up a door or avenues for other players that might not necessarily not even be there. We we're hearing reports that Tim Ream has been called up mm -hmm. to the U.S. men's national team. He's on the World Cup roster is the report we're hearing, and that is amazing because according to Greg Verhalter, players that don't do well in a high line, a high defensive line, can't play for him. Well, Tim Ream isn't that player. He's not the guy you want marking 1v1 against a pacey player, as you saw Diego Lainez cook him in the CONCACAF Nations League final. You saw the high line that Fulham deployed against City and how he was taken advantage of. But he's a very good player right now on his team. He's got leadership qualities. He's a player that's left-footed, which Greg Verhalter loves. He's probably going to be the best passing left back, or back, I should say, if he is on the field. So I'm not, I'm not too against the call-up. It's just very mm -hmm. surprising, and this happens because of Chris Richards. Yeah. Um, on the Richards front, do you think you can take him and leave him, as you say, for the back end of the tournament? Or is this a position where you say, look, if, if you're not good to go early on, I'm... I'm taking the four that I have, and maybe I'm taking another fifth, but I'm not waiting on a fifth center back yeah. whose health is in doubt. Is this, is this pretty much the end of, as you see it, his World Cup hopes? I think so, and it's a shame because he's got the highest ceiling of any defender. Um, and you look at Chris Richards, who's a very athletic back as well. Mm -hmm. If Greg Berhalter really wants to play that high line, you can't have a center back who's maybe mentally not there and physically hasn't shown that he's there. Uh, Herc, you mentioned the report about the center backs. Our colleagues uh, Michele Giannone and Nico Canto reporting that the four center backs are going to be Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, CCV, and Tim Ream. How do you feel about that, that foursome? Would you rather take five? What about a Mark McKenzie? He's balling right now in Belgium. Yeah, I would rather take a Mark McKenzie. And he also has that equity with Greg Berhalter. So it's surprising that he wouldn't be one of them. I would have had him over Cameron Carter-Vickers. It, it goes to show you how quickly things change. You... You look at what was the World Cup qualifying campaign, and the one guy you would have circled in as number one on that list was Miles Robinson. 
Miles mm. Robinson's injury has really thrown Greg Berhalter and this U.S. Men's back, uh, National Team back line uh, for a loop. And now you're grasping at straws, trying to form a connection, trying to form a tandem uh, two weeks before the World Cup. So, Herc, you went with Chris Richards uh, and his injury woes is the biggest headline to come out of the weekend for U.S. Men's National Team fans. I'll go with something a little bit more uplifting. Borussia Dortmund's Gio Reyna scoring. I know it's from the penalty spot, but it's his second goal of the season. He's heating up at the right time. He started this gamer, right? This is not a substitute appearance. He started. He played 67 minutes. He stayed healthy. And I think as we see more and more performances like this, we can change the conversation around Gio Reyna to what are you going to get out of him? How much of a super sub could he be to maybe potentially talking about him as a starter. Am I crazy or am I onto something here? No, you're not crazy because you see Gio Reyna and what he can do even if, he's, even if he doesn't have his feet quite under him. Mm -hmm. Comes on uh, as a sub against the Mexican national team in El Estadio Azteca and you see the dazzling run in the center of the midfield. What he can do, uh, he's a player that has such a high ceiling. I don't think there is a player on this U.S. men's national team with the talent level and the ceiling level of a Giovanni Reina. He could really be that breakout star for you at the World Cup. And I say breakout in quotations because the yeah. rest of the world pretty much already knows him. They know the American Gio Reina. They know that he plays at Dortmund. They know how talented he can be, but they also know how injury-prone he's been. So this gives the U.S. men's national team fans hope. Hope that he can be that player. Hope that he can be much more, as you said, than a super sub. All right, Herc. Uh, we have more Run It Back to do, and production has been especially ruthless today. Anthony Robinson concedes the game-winning penalty as Fulham fell 2-1 against Manchester City. Mm, you hate to see it. Anthony Robinson. I, I don't know. Do you, you call him Jedi? I don't call him Jedi. That's just Anthony for me. But that's uh, you don't want to dive in there in the box. Oh, stoppage time. Fulham with a uh, solid account of themselves against Manchester City. They do fall 2-1. Fulham ninth right now in the Premier League. Ethan Horvath with a clean sheet. Six saves as Luton Town beat Blackpool 1-0. Ethan Horvath! How many, how many is that? It's, how many clean sheets is that? Six or seven now? It's my a lot of them. My man's racking them. them up. Uh, Luton Town racking up the points. They're up to eighth in the championship, which of course you can watch on ESPN+. Middlesbrough, they're 20th out of 24 in the table. Zach Steffen with a save and a draw as Middlesbrough tied Bristol City 1-1 on Saturday. I guess that was the save. That's the save. Good that's, save. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Hey, you can only stop the shots that you get put in front of you. Matt Turner. He's healed, I guess, maybe. At least back on the bench for Arsenal as they beat Chelsea 1-0 on Sunday. Worth noting in this game as well, Christian Pulisic came on as a 78th-minute sub. Uh, Arsenal first in the Premier League, Chelsea seventh in the table. U.S. Men's National Team roster reveal is on Wednesday. Kay Murray, Taylor Twellman, and Jermaine Jones live from New York City on ESPN2. Coverage starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time, available also on ESPN+. Plus. And then as soon as they're done, live on ESPN+. Plus. A special Wednesday edition of Football Americas, a full breakdown of Greg Berhalter's 26-man list for Qatar, including special guests. Herc and I will be live from New York City after the roster is revealed on ESPN+.
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's talk L3. Raul Jimenez is back to training, at least. He's been uh, struggling with a groin injury. He's now in camp with L3 in Girona. Jimenez will not play in Wednesday's friendly against Iraq. He has said that he'll step aside if not fit. He last played on August 31st for Wolves at club level. Some good news for Mexico as Raul Jimenez continues his race against the clock to try and get ready for the World Cup. Huge game in the Eredivisie on Sunday. Ajax against PSV. A Mexican standoff, if you will. Edson and Jorge Sanchez against Eric Gutierrez. Ajax entering the game, one point ahead of PSV. But it's PSV who score first, and Jorge Sanchez uh, a little bit involved, Herc. Yeah, gets cooked there. Should have been tied on the mark. Luke Dijon with a nice little finish. Luke Dijon was going to go to Club America at one point. Remember that? PSV up 1-0. They'll make it 2-0 here. It's Guti Eric Gutierrez 2-0. You know what I love about this finish? It's instinctual. Uh, look, he stays with the play, and when it comes to him, he doesn't try to control him. It's a very just nice and easy finish inside the set foot. 2-0 PSV into the second half. Edson nearly cuts into the lead. Yeah, he's not known for that, especially the placement. Uh, does a good job there. I'm telling you, though, he's getting more and more involved in this Ajax attack. 52nd minute. A chance here. No, 83rd. Excuse me. Lorenzo Luca makes it 2-1. Ajax back in it. Yeah, bounces in the box. Big man takes it off the chest. And then Luca right there. Nice little finish. 87th minute, Edson, chance to tie it. Saved off the line by Benitez. But you said it, he gets ever more so involved in the Ajax attack, rising, towering over his defender. So PSV wins the game 2-1. They take the top spot in the Eredivisie, which of course you can watch on ESPN Plus. And afterwards, oh yeah, it's a robbery. They were getting heated. Edson Alvarez brawling post-game as uh, both teams will be in action again in the midweek, but PSV for now atop the Dutch top flight as Eric Gutierrez scored on the weekend. But Herc, the bigger question here is, has Guti earned a starting spot in Tata Martino's Mexico midfield? No. No, oh, why not? Because Tata Martino doesn't okay. give him the light of day because Tata Martino doesn't value Eric Gutierrez. If what about you if you were the manager, would you start Guti? There would be a game where I would play Guti, yes. Just one, huh? Yes, and it'd okay. probably be against Argentina. Okay. Yeah. 
if you go back to Tata Martino in his tenure with this Mexican national team in the World Cup qualifiers, a total of 14 games you can play if you're a player, Guti played in three. He started one of those games. The other two that he didn't start, nine and 11 minute cameos out of 14 possible games. Now the player you want to substitute him for is Andres Guardado, who's the team captain, who is going to be the all-time caps leader for the Mexican national team, who's going to be a Penta World Cup, five World Cups, mm -hmm. and be on the field for Tata Martino. Uh, maybe not every game, but we know that Tata Martino, that's his man, that's his guy. And there's a little twist here, a little wrinkle for both of those guys that I just mentioned. And his name is Luis Chavez. Luis Chavez right now on paper may be the best threat that Tata Martino has at keeping up in this group. Whether you're playing Poland, whether you're playing Argentina, or whether you're playing Saudi Arabia, the duality of this player, box to box, the defensive work rate, the good ball movement that he has, that electric left foot. I mean, he hammers it with that left foot. His type of condiciones, intangibles, his type of talents, I've not seen out of a Mexican player for quite some mm. time. I think he is the X factor that keeps both of these guys maybe off the field. Who's a bigger threat to Guardado, Chavez or Guti? I think under Tata Martino, it's Chavez. Mm. Yeah, I don't hear Tata Martino talking about Guti like he talks about Chavez. That's just a reality. All right, if it was up to me, man, I would be starting Eric Gutierrez. I've been on this train for a long time. He's 27 years old. What's Guardado? 36? What's yeah. Achiache? 33? Yeah. I mean, these guys are getting old and, and they look it. And when you hear Tata Martino come out and talk about Achiache wasting his talent in Houston, as I said the other week on the show, I think that gives us a window into what Tata Martino is seeing from Hector Herrera. These guys are not what they were. Eric Gutierrez is a young guy playing at a high level, playing European competition for PSV, and he's starting almost every single game for this team and has been for months, Herc. Mexico doesn't have an abundance of guys doing this in Europe. When you have a guy who's doing it, You've got to find a way for him to start. He's got to start at least one game, to your point, if not multiple games. I wouldn't mind, honestly, to see him take Guardado's spot entirely for the group phase. I think it's well past time that we make some adjustments and give a little more physicality, a little more athleticism hate to this Mexican midfield. I, just, I, I, I need more athleticism. I don't hate anybody, Herc, but if you're going to have him and Achiache, who's going to do the running? Who's going to do the running? Edson, because that's how he did in the World Cup qualifying. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that... That didn't look too good, uh, now did it. All right, uh, let's transfer from the Eredivisie to the Premier League, Herc. Wild, wild game this weekend featuring Leeds hosting uh, Bournemouth at Ellen Road. No Patrick Bamford for Leeds. Early on, a penalty as Rodrigo steps up and puts Leeds ahead. Brandon Aronson involved with the early pressure. Yeah, Brandon Aronson involved with the early pressure, but Rodrigo with the penalty kick. Bournemouth then. Equalizing in the seventh minute through Marcus Tavernier. They'd make it 2-1 in the 19th minute. Philip Billing with the rebound there is Bournemouth. Going from 1-0 down to 2-1 up. 48th minute. Dominic Solanke going to make it 3-1. Oh, the tricky back heel. Yeah, why do I always feel that leads are always chasing the ball? Chasing the game here and making it 3-2, Sam Greenwood. <laughs> Ridiculous finish by Greenwood. Inside the left foot, picks his corner, puts it away. A few minutes after that, Liam Cooper, the header. Jesse Marsh's boys have come back to tie it. 3-3. Insane. Look at that. Jesse Marsh loves it. That's another game. 
And you'll take the point, right? Oh no, oh. Leeds won all three. Oh. Crescencio Somerville, four three Leeds, come on baby. Jesse Marsh, Ellen Road, the celebration is on. Somerville the game winner. Let's hear from Marsh after the big win. Jesse, you summed that up for us and good luck trying to. Yeah, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's hard to really just put into words and to describe exactly um, what happened. But at halftime, we tried to instill belief in the team that, that we could still manage uh, to find the result. And I told them after the match that the best part was is I could, I could tell by the looks on their faces that I didn't have to convince them that they believed it. And I think the second half performance exemplified that. Even at 3-1 down, the fans were kind of sensing that this is far from over, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, the swaying in the crowd, it's a, it gets mob mentality sometimes, you know. When things aren't going well, they all tend to find ways to be negative. But uh, my message at halftime was don't worry about the, the, the mood of the crowd right now. Stay focused on and disciplined on the way we want to play, and we will find ourselves more and more into the match, and then we will find our goals and find a way to push it. The sad part was we made it even more difficult by going down 3-1, but the guys stuck with it. All right, Herc, what do you make of what uh, Jesse Marsh had to say there? And do you think he's safe for the rest of the season after these big back-to-back wins? Oh, no. No, he ain't safe. And uh, he, he also ain't going away quietly. Mob mentality, he said. I thought that was a... Hey, it's not the first time, huh? The home fans have gotten after Jesse Marsh a couple times recently. Yes, but for Jesse Marsh to acknowledge it like that and mm-hmm. to place a little dig publicly is also telling. Now, listen, he's not safe. Why? Because it's the Premier League and we're... <laughs> Halfway through, right? There's still an- another even. half to play. Yeah. Uh, he's 12th place right now, so that is safety. Yes, it is safe. But guess how many points he is away from the relegation zone? Three points away from Southampton, Wolverhampton, Nottingham Forest. It, it's not an easy place to be in. It's not a place where you should feel safe, especially if you're in a manager that is replacing Marcelo Bielsa. And that's the issue here. He was booed at halftime. The fans right now, they still have the ghost of Marcelo Bielsa. He still has the shadow of Bielsa over They've chanted him. his name they while ch- Marsh was the manager. While Marsh was the manager. They're not going to go away, these boos, these chants. They're not going to go away unless he has more results like this. But they can't Are these fans be- ungrateful? He saved them from the drop last no, year. No, 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 no. Marcelo Bielsa had him somewhere else that wasn't the drop at first, right? And then ended up in the drop. So they obviously, they obviously, like, they obviously like Marcelo Bielsa for a reason. So don't go... Thrashing Bielsa just because you don't like them yelling at an American manager. Uh, Jesse Marsh can be a very good manager, but his style of play is very chaotic. And his style of play leaves them exposed oftentimes, like Marcelo Bielsa's did. And now that's where I have a problem with the Leeds fans kind of chiming in or, or, or getting aggressive there, if you will. It's, it's essentially the same style of play, except one was man marking, the other one's high press. And there's still the same problems uh, that are being exposed. But you should never feel safe if you're a Premier League manager, and much less Jesse Marsh here. Yeah, and definitely not when, as you point out, you're three points from the drop zone, right? Uh, yes, they are 12th, but that's a little bit misleading when, when you're only three points away from a potential relegation dogfight. Their next three games, Herc, in the Premier League could be critical and will be very difficult, right? Spurs is the last one before the World Cup break. After that, they come back with Manchester City and Newcastle. So three straight Premier League games against top four opposition. So just like these six points get Marsh off the hot seat, you go 0 for 9 points there, you're right back on the hot seat. The good thing about these six points 
is it gets him to the World Cup break, and as I said before, it gets him another transfer window. So maybe Leeds will spend some more money, he brings in some more guys, and it's not a relegation scrap uh, in the spring for Jesse Marsh at Leeds. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What about some news on Alfonso Davies, her Canadian international? Had an injury over the weekend, one that had... Lots of folks in Canada holding their breath. He suffered a hamstring strain on Saturday while playing for Bayern Munich in a 3-2 win against Hertha Berlin. He had to be subbed off in the 64th minute. Bayern Munich, in a press release, have stated that Davies is not expected to miss the World Cup, but will miss Munich's next two games. Still good news for Canadian fans. Elsewhere in CONCACAF, Costa Rica has announced their 26-man roster for the World Cup. It does feature three MLS players. Ronald Matarrita, Brian Oviedo, and Daniel Chacon. Also features Kaylor Navas, Joel Campbell, Kendall Waston, Brian Ruiz, Celso Borges, just to name a few of the old faithful familiars there. Luis Fernando Suarez is the manager for Costa Rica, who will be in Group E, facing off against Spain, Germany, and Japan. Wow, what a tough group for the Ticos. A group of death there in Group E. About Brazil and Danny Alves, the Pumas player, has been included in Brazil's roster for the World Cup. The manager Tite, 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 I'll get that right one of these times. Uh, announcing his team over the weekend. Danny Alves coming off a bad season for Pumas, so this surprised me a little bit, Herc. We'll find out in just a second if it surprised you. It definitely surprised the pundits down in Brazil. Let's check out their reaction. Laterais direitos, Daniel Alves, Pumas, Danilo, Juventus. Daniel Alves, Pumas, Daniel Alves, Pumas. Ah, <laughs> that's why you do live watch-alongs, folks. That is exactly uh, why. Uh, so anyway, I was surprised that he made the team. Were you? Uh, Clearly no. our friends in Brazil were. No, no, uh, not very surprised. No, I'm sure that's disappointment mm-hmm. maybe for him, mm-hmm. but I wasn't surprised. This is a player that, I mean, he went to the Olympics because he is that close with Chite. He's that close with the uh, Brazilian national team. He was left out of the last tree. window. Fine, 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 fair and fine. But he wouldn't have gone to Pumas unless he was sure, and I don't want to say reassured, 
that it would cost him. I think he's that always been in communication. That it wouldn't cost him, you're saying. Correct, that it wouldn't cost him, excuse me. I think he's always been in communication and he knew all he needed to do was keep himself fit. Maybe Puma's not making it as far as they did, put a wrinkle in those plans, uh, and they made me need to see him physically to see if he was where he was at. But I always thought this was part of the plan, part of the setup for Chita and the Brazilian national team, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. When I saw him left out in September, I thought, okay, the move to Pumas is going to cost him. And he actually had some comments last week that he thought the move to Liga Mekis had potentially cost him. But here's, here's the reality. If you can go to Liga Mekis and Pumas and play badly and play badly out of position and still get called into the World Cup team for Brazil, as you say, you were always going right. to be in it at 39 years old. He was always going to make this team. Um, and look at that, man. What a story at 39 years old, not just to make a World Cup, but to make this World Cup squad, right? I think most people are picking Brazil as the favorites. They're my favorite. I don't know if they're your favorite, but I think they are favorites over teams like France and, and Argentina, if you will. They're, they're my favorite for sure. I mean, star-studded Brazilian team that could hurt you everywhere on the field. Mm, let's see the uh, role Danny Alves plays for Brazil in Qatar. All right, let's change gears. We got the uh, Men's World Cup coming up in, what, two weeks? In about six months, we got the Women's World Cup, U.S. Women's National Team, in preparation mode. Got a couple friendlies coming up this week. First off, in Miami, at Fort Lauderdale, actually, home of Inter-Miami, where they'll be playing Germany. And then on Sunday, they'll be at Red Bull Arena for another showdown against the Germans, who are the runners-up at the last European Championships. Let's get some sound. Preview we'll here from Becky Sauerbrunn down in Florida. I'm ecstatic to play against Germany. I think they obviously have just such class players and they have historically and we have a really long history playing against each other and the fact that they did so well at Euros I think they're really riding a high right now so for us to test ourselves against them right now in our preparation for the World Cup hugely beneficial to us to see where we're at. I think the fact that we've gotten to test ourselves against some of the best in the world and we haven't had the performances that we want, I think it's a good wake-up call to know that something's got to change. Um, I think relationships need to be built, uh, the chemistry needs to get there, standards need to be raised. So I think there are a lot of themes that we're going to bring into this camp that I think will help us going into the World Cup year. Um, but it's really just kind of being humbled a little bit and I think that's really good for us and it's really tough to win these games and it's so hard to win a World Cup and it's good to have those reminders. Herc, the U.S. coming off not one but two defeats against England and Spain in the last international window. So how much pressure is on this U.S. women's national team against the Germans this week? I think there's more pressure on them internally, themselves, than externally, the press. Um, because I think for a long time this U.S. women's national team has been coddled. Coddled because of the results, coddled because they've been, quite frankly, the best team in mm -hmm. the world. Individually, collectively, that's who they are. But the first time in five years that they've lost back-to-back -back games, uh, and one of those losses was against a Spanish national team that had 17 players out because of a work stoppage or a work dispute, if you will, nine of 11 starters. Listen, Seb, you keep telling me the U.S. women are the best in the world. I want to believe it. You keep I telling me that. It. You keep telling me it's a mistake that there aren't more Americans in the top 10 of the top 50 uh, women's players in the world. You keep saying this. All I keep seeing are a U.S. team that are non-operative going forward, mm -hmm. that don't have the cohesive unit or, com or collective play to play against the best teams in the world right now. Individually, talented players. I see them. I get to see them in NWSL. Very good players. Collectively, 
Why are they getting outworked? Why are they getting outplayed against teams like Spain's B-side? Mm -hmm. I think teams have stopped fearing the U.S. They no longer think they're the top dog. They no longer think they have to fear this team. They think they're just as good and can beat them on any given day. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on the U.S. And I, and I think there's a lot of pressure specifically on Vladko Andonovsky, the manager, right? We have time and time again failed to see all this talent that you're talking about combine and look good since he's taken over. And so now there are no excuses, right? You look back at that last window, it was pretty easy. You could say, well, Alex Morgan's not here. And that's a, that's a really big miss, Herc. You can't, you can't overstate how important she is to this team. You could say Mallory Pugh isn't here. Well, those players are back now, right? And you're going to have these Germans in the United States. You're not in England. You're not in Spain. You're not playing away from home. This is a much different scenario for the United States. You got a full team. You're no longer in your NWSL season. No hay pretextos, huh? There's no more excuses, no more ways that if they have a bad window here, we go into 2023 and say, well, they're still got time to figure out. No, I, I think the heat really rises. And you go into 2023, not in a crisis mode, but with a lot of pressure in a World Cup year, which is not, I don't think, where the U.S. women's national team wants to find themselves, what, six months from kickoff of the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Of course, uh, on Sunday, it'll be the USA against Germany from New Jersey, Red Bull Arena, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage starts on ESPN, streaming live on the ESPN app as well. Julie Foudy and I will be on the call from the Northeast. Parting shot, this just in, the CONCACAF Champions League knockout round matchups are set, Herc. Anything uh, interesting there? For you, we do have an MLS Liga Mekis matchup yeah, that's as Orlando City against the Tigres. Yeah, that's the interesting one right there. Obviously, Orlando City versus Tigres. Now, don't sleep on Olympia and Atlas. Olympia has a knack for uh, eliminating teams early. And then, obviously, LAFC defending champs against Alajuense. Alajuense is a, is a very, very good team. Uh, yep. and it's a team that could surprise some people. So, uh, heads up if you're LAFC. Yep, uh, just lost to Olympia, I believe, right, in the uh, CONCACAF League final. They beat DC United, I remember, in a CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal. Alajuelense. There we go. Alajuelense. Uh, LAFC, your favorite? Uh, your... To win it all? Yeah, your way early favorite? No. Who is? Is Pachuca, is Pachuca there? Pachuca's there, yeah, yeah. That would be it. Nice. He, <laughs> he's consistent. He's consistent, if nothing else. Uh, loves him some Pachuca. All right, we will be in New York City. On Friday, live here on ESPN Plus, uh, as soon as the show on ESPN2 is over, as soon as the roster has been revealed. And then tomorrow, uh, right here on ESPN Plus, we've got a special Football Americas Road to Qatar. We're hurt. You're going to love it. We're focused on the forwards. Josh Sargent. Jesus Ferreira, I think Gio Reyna's in there as well. So some great Sam Borden interviews. We get Don't paid miss per them. show, right? Tomorrow, yes. We get paid per word here on Football Americas. Oh paid per goodness. segment. Uh, Football Americas, back tomorrow, Road to Qatar. Don't miss it here on ESPN+. Plus. Be home late. there, bro? Again. Retro Crew. It's a schmedium. <laughs>